0: one, basic hip. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. This is episode 482 for May 22nd, 2019. On today's show, bassist Mark Dresser. This week's show is sponsored by Mark and Jeff, the two most recent members of the Jazz Session. Jeff is Jeff Coffin, saxophonist for the Dave Matthews Band and a past guest of the show. Special thanks to Jeff for also using his big social media platform to support the show. If you'd like to be like Mark and Jeff and all the other members of The Jazz Session, you can join today for just five bucks a month at thejazzsession.com. You get a monthly bonus episode, early access to every show, and more. If you're already a member, encourage your friends and social media contacts to join. Thanks so much. Mark Dresser's new record is Ain't Nothing But a Cyber Coup and You, a Septet recording that speaks truth to power and features tons of great music. It starts this way. really excited to welcome for the first time to the show, which struck me as a little nuts when I realized he'd never been on before, bassist Mark Dresser. He's got uh, a fabulous album, which is not only fabulous for its audio content, but also because it allows me to say the title of the album, which is Ain't Nothing But a Cyber Coup and You. Mark Dresser, welcome to the Jazz Session. Thanks for being here.
1: Thank you for the invitation, Jason.
0: Um, I'm going to just go out on a limb and assume from the title that you're pretty overjoyed at the current state. Of our kind of socio-political condition.
1: Oh man, it, it gets more surreal by the day, and there seems to be no bottom. I mean, the idea—I—I I feel like I'm—I suffer from outrage fatigue on a daily basis. Uh,
0: I hear you, man. Absolutely. I, you know, um, it, you're certainly not the first person who's been on this show who has written music about the the current conditions of the world in which we live, uh, and I'm I'm always curious. Uh, as to, uh, I guess what, what if any uh, relief or or outlet you find in writing music that in any way comments on you know, where we are as a as a people as a society.
1: Uh, relief, God, that's a strong word. I won't say I feel any relief, but I also feel like how can you know how can I not make a statement. As an instrumental musician, all we you know, all we have is our titles, and and the music itself. And the music itself is inherently abstract. So it's it's a it's a moment to give. Oh, I I, I, I do have fun with the titles. I, I they <laughs> they give they uh, you know I, I enjoy playing with words and finding things. But, you know, it it also can be a programmatic value when playing something. You know, there's, there there are differing opinions about what the the function of art is supposed to be. Some people feel like you don't, that, you know, you don't deal with this head on, that you do music to uplift or whatever. And uh, I just feel like Every level that feels authentic is worth doing. and I think that on this record and in, and all the other records that uh, I've done, there's a a variety there's a there's a a palette of expressions, not just political things but other things there's there's uh, on this one there's uh, dedications to Uh, Arthur Blythe and uh, the pianist Butch Morris on the last one there was one for Roswell Rudd and another one for uh, an homage of uh, Daniel Jackson a wonderful saxophonist on the west coast here that maybe some of your listeners weren't aware of
0: I want to uh, dig into the the music itself, and we might find a, a reason to come back um, to the context as well. But uh, the album starts with first of all, the, it's a really incredible record, and uh, you. you're quite welcome. The a few things about it, uh, and about the way you write for ensembles this size, always surprise me. One of those things is that there are just times on this record where you think it can't just be seven people like it's just the sound is too big there's too much going on it's too lush it's just the the writing and arranging it's just it's such a beautiful use of who you have and so that i don't forget to do this which i do about 80 percent of the time uh can we just quickly mention who is on this record with you sure and talk about how we use them
1: uh we have uh um nicole mitchell on flute and alto flute uh, marty Ehrlich on clarinet and bass clarinet michael dessin on trombone Kier Go on violin, uh, Joshua White on piano, and Jim Black on drums, and myself. I mean, I appreciate uh, all the credit, but I have to say is that uh, every one of these musicians can stand up by themselves and give a you know a really compelling solo concert. So everyone's got huge improvisational and instrumental range so i'm able to profit from that when in when i write and or and improvisationally orchestrate
0: thinking of uh, of mingus who came up a couple minutes ago uh, i think one of the things that he was certainly best at in his writing for ensembles of about this size was picking the right people to play the music and it it feels to me like that's something you're very intentional about as well
1: yeah i mean that's yeah without a doubt it's always about the people not so much the instruments Though, that being said, all these instruments I've had, long, and, and really, all these musicians I've had long long musical relationships with. Probably the the, the shortest one is with uh, uh, Kier Goghwilt, the violinist, but uh, he works just so well, he improvisationally added so much to the project that... Um, uh, you know he. I included him but I, you know a Marty Air like I go back I don't know f- at least 30 years and uh, we've played in all kinds of bands you a trio with um, uh, with Andrew Surreal called CDE uh, Michael Desson I've been working with oh gosh since uh, probably 2002 um, the, uh, Joshua White since about 2010 we have, he, I had him join my um, my quintet when I made a West Coast quintet, um, and uh, Jim Black. I've gone back w- with, uh, gosh, well, we played with Satoko Fuji in the ni- late 90s. So you know we've and and even before that we've done projects and we're and we're neighbors together in Brooklyn, and as well and Joshua. Well, who did, who did I miss Nicole Barty? Um,
0: yeah, I think you got everybody there. Okay, good. You, uh, you mentioned the the emphasis on musicians even over the particular instruments they play. What is it that you need from a musician what, to hire them for? Or
1: to I need them? I, I need I need people with vibe <laughs> who are going to throw down and give me something of that I can feel. I, you know, of course, I want the highest level of musicianship, but what I really want is just uh, you know you know as you know in the world someone who can really send someone who can you know put out you know that the sound translate to something i can feel and of course that's whatever that is that's a very abstract thing that's hard to to uh even define but everyone's in in this case everyone's uh i'll get more a little more musical everyone's has melodic gifts, and also everyone has sonic gifts. And the sonic timbral stuff is really important to me. That's sort of an, an area that uh, I've, given a lot of time in my solo music, and it's just really, really a part of uh, my my musical vocabulary. So I need to have all those, all those elements, not just rhythm, harmony, and melody, but I have to have that sonic dimension so that it can blur. I like that world between pitch and noise. I like discipline, but I also like, I, I like it when it, it gets, you know, feels like it's on the edge of falling apart too.
0: Can you say more about that sonic element? Just go a little deeper into that.
1: What I'm talking about technically is really a vocabulary of extended techniques, but it's more that it's like when to know when to use them. It's like you have a vocabulary of extended sounds, but you know what they mean. And, and that takes time. That's not, that's not just a, that's not an academic thing. It's like you play, you explore, but then you find a context for your sounds and everyone's, you know, it, it's, it has that really hooked up in their uh, and they're playing and in different ways. I mean, you know, uh, Joshua White's a brilliant pianist. And of course he plays, you know, rhythmically and harmonically, but he transcends the piano and, and makes it a, a rhythmically sonic thing that, that just has a visceral power. And I guess this, I, I really like uh, um, you know music of visceral power. I feel, I, I emotionally relate to that. I'm not a cool player in any, I mean, I don't relate to that aesthetic. I mean, I, I can admire, but that's not who I am. I'm kind of a little more direct, perhaps. And so, uh, um, you know, I just I, I like it out there.
0: One thing I noticed about this record in terms of the way it affected me emotionally was that it it absolutely affected me when it was out there. And there's I mean, there are a lot of times when, you know, there's really forceful playing happening but there right. are also uh there uh, an equal number of times when why it grabs you or why it grabbed me i guess i should say is yeah. because it's so beautiful and Thank that you. the you're welcome that the the visceralness can absolutely come from feeling like it's slowly penetrating into your skin not just yeah. like it's punching you
1: yeah i mean i like it all um, and you know the, the beauty of sound and melody and feeling uh, you know I, I, uh, it's it's all part of a, a musical palette that um, that I want to include and uh, you know and and going back to the the sonic thing I have these uh, I've been working with uh, with Kent McLagan, a, a, a wonderful. Uh, Bass maker and engineer, and and also as well a a wonderful bass maker, and we've been working for nearly 20 years on you know special kinds of amplification and extensions to amplify. First of all, normally unheard frequencies of the instrument, and then we've actually made—he's made for me—in extensions. I've done these uh, McLagan ties, which are like an array of uh, seven metal bars. Uh, rods that that st- are suspended below the bridge, and they have just a really very particular sound that both is integrates with the bass, but is b- goes below and above the sound of the bass, and it's just uh, and again, it's just sort of it has a, a sonic and a visceral and ethereal power that that's that works for me, and it's something that we've you know we've explored different tuning systems, different metals, and just we're try- spent and uh, spent uh, you know five years trying to get to the point where we are now, where it really integrates with the instrument. And even since recording, it's it's gone. the 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 research, for, if you for uh, f- for lack of a better word, meaning the development of the musical potentials, keep Uh, or something I'm actively working on.
0: Let's take a break from the music to talk about membership. I've been recording conversations with jazz musicians since 2007. I think it's important work, I think it deserves public support, and I also would like to be able to do it for my living. If you agree that the Jazz Session is worth supporting, become a member today for just five bucks a month at thejazzsession.com join. You'll get a monthly bonus episode, which this month features Downbeat writer Jim Mackney talking about a Henry Threadgill record, plus bonus audio from Daphne Sprieto and Camila Meza. Plus you get early access to every show and a yearly gift. Help me make this show for decades to come become a member today at the jazz slash join. Now back to the episode. This album begins uh, with a tribute to a musician uh, I liked very much and that, that you played with. And I, I think Marty uh, Ehrlich also played with him, uh, Arthur Blythe. Can you say something about him and about Black Arthur's Bounce?
1: Yeah, I mean... When I met Arthur I was 20 years old he was probably uh, you know 12 to 12, 15 years older than I was he was a a figure in LA uh, that he was referred to as Black Arthur he had played with um with uh, Horace Tapsco Pan African or- Orchestra and uh man the power of his sound and articulation is just was you know uh jaw dropping and um and I we played together in a band led by uh, then drummer but writer Stanley Crouch called the Black Music Infinity, that included Bobby Bradford, the great cornetist, uh, uh, Arthur, and then the, the 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 musicians my age were uh, James Newton, the distinguished flute player, and the great tenor player David Murray. So you know, that was a very, very special time. And Arthur was, you know, was in that band. And then he was the first one of us to move to New York. And uh, probably in 73 or 74. And uh, I ended up there in 75 and played a bit with him in New York. And And then I came back to California. But I think that was really in the late mid 70s was the the last time that I really played with him, if I remember correctly, but, you know, his music and it was wonderful to watch his how he um, emerged as a leader and uh, and and hearing his tunes, some of which I knew from when we were spending a lot of time together, probably 71 through 73 three uh hear those how they came to life and got developed and you know he's a wonderful band leader but it was just that power of the sound and uh, uh of his sound articulation and uh attack uh, i would you know he was a, 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 an inspiration for uh, maria baraka who wrote a, a poem uh, dedicated to him called in the tradition and, uh, anyhow, it's, uh, and he was a very, he had, he had a wonderful sense of humor and, uh, it was r- really, really, a, a joy to, to play and be with.
0: You mentioned watching songs be developed and I was wondering, uh, as that relates to this album, what you had with you when you went in to record and, and how much of it was, you know, developed on the spot or developed over the course of working with this band?
1: Gosh, uh, I mean, I, uh, by the time I, went into the studio uh i knew i mean i had a very clear game plan of what the arrangements were going to be um though that uh on one tune in particular uh, you know we truncated it because it was just the record was going to be too long and uh And I really probably needed more time in in playing it with the with the guys. This was embodied in soul. Uh, You truncated
0: it, meaning after the fact in post production, or while
1: it it had many more sections and it was a much more developed. The intent of it was to be much more was all to be a longer and more developed piece. But uh, uh, you know we you know in in the end you're trying to serve what's going to make a good record. So. uh, In the studio, I I realized that it would serve the record to develop a, a shorter arrangement, which I did. So, I mean, to be honest, every, you know, we, I, had, I had the luxury of three days of recording, which was like one more day than I've ever had. So I would typically, after the first day of recording, I would come in with, you know, and spend the, my downtime rewriting something and we'd, would record that on the third, and that happened every day that I would change something and we would re-record it. Not on every piece, but on you know specific things, so I realized I probably had uh, too many... I, I think well, I probably had written too many tunes without a flute and not enough for soprano flute, so I made a couple changes here. Anyhow, just, you know, I, as we went, you, you learn about you know how the music is coming together.
0: I think after twelve years, listeners probably get the idea, but I always do like to highlight the fact that you said it was a luxury to have three days in the recording studio. And yeah. you know, when we when you listen to like a, a you know a, or watch a show about the you know recording of Sergeant Pepper's or something like that, and you know right. they, they spend a week just to get the sound one piano sound down, you know the, right. that kind of thing. And I I always like to point out to folks that so much of this music that we listen to and love that's being produced now or was being produced. Uh, back in the day was produced under really pretty tight time constraints uh I, i guess i kind of wonder how that affects you going into the studio you said you had a pretty good game plan it seems like that's probably necessitated right by the fact that you don't have all that much time
1: yeah and 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 i really had you know i've done records in one day most of the time it's been one day so like this was a luxury having three days and and we were in uh Uh, a top studio uh east west studio in uh los angeles which was just like a a famous studio incredible set of microphones a great room i had the great engineer uh um ron Ron st germain at the helm so you know he's just uh he's had such a keen ear for for sound and uh uh, and the the record is by and large uncompressed, which is really unusual for for most you know modern records. Most records, the sound, the everything is compressed. So this this record has you know wonderful sound and and, and unusual dynamic range because uh, you know I received a a. a, a a grant from the shifting foundation that uh you know believed in uh, this project and uh invested in it so i was you know incredibly fortunate to have that and then have these uh willing and gifted musicians and a great engineer in a great room so it was you know it was from my point of view it was an the optimum you know the optimum um experience and i and i you know spent a lot of time, all work composing the music. And I mean, that goes with that goes with the territory. But, you know, I that, w- once you have that opportunity, uh, I, you know, gave it my full force to make it as good as I possibly could be.
0: You mentioned uh the piece Embodied in Soul, and that was actually uh, originally written for what seems to me like a, a really, really cool project that I'd love to hear uh, more about a, a telematic sure. concert. Can you say more about that?
1: Yeah, uh, for over a decade, you know, I teach at uh, University of California, San Diego, and uh, we have this high-band, um, high-speed internet, which uh, is, um, it's not wireless. This is wired internet, and we're we've been in investigating and per- doing performances with other improvisers in different geographical locations, um, and. You know, starting. In, you know, I have colleagues in in and uh, in, in the UC system, like uh, the great pianist Myra Melford, my friend and colleague uh, uh, Michael Dessen and uh, at Irvine, Nicole Mitchell, also at Irvine. So we would do these concerts together, and then I have colleagues and uh, friends in uh, New York, Sarah Weaver, who. It was always put together a great set of uh, musicians uh, there and friends in, in Zurich and then we have friends and colleagues in Seoul Korea it's funny you know the the, the how these things happen uh, you know usually you only meet musicians that well, either you've heard on record but more than likely that you, you know, living in New York, that you rub elbows with or hear them play live. In the case of the connection with uh, Korea, it came about, uh, I saw this amazing film that Myra told me called "An in, uh, Intangible Asset Number 82. It was a film about the Australian jazz drummer, improviser uh, Simon Barker, and he was uh, in the, of course, the film he connected with this amazing singer, singer named Bei Il Dong, and uh, he had one of those sounds that, you know, clearly a force of nature. And so, uh, anyhow, th- this is kind of a long, involved story, but to, to cut to the chase, after we started to communicate through mutual friends, and we ended up doing a first telematic concert uh, in 2010 with Simon and uh, Bae Dong and one other musician from Korea in Seoul. And then I was uh, in s- New York with uh, Sarah Weaver, uh, the saxophonist Ellie Riaskelon and Jim Black. So, and, and again, that, that was musically very, very powerful to me. And, and also particularly just because when you play at distance, uh, you would think that would have distance to the connection. but sonically, people are close mic'd And if you have inherent musical affinities, that's you know th- those distances are transcended. And with the case of Bail dong, I just felt like, oh man, you know i f- I, I, I had a very, very uh, Close and profound experience doing that concert, and that led to another concert, and it led to another concert, and that tune, embodied in soul, which is really a you know kind of a play on words of body in soul, uh, was was written for um, a, a three-way telematic concert this past June between. Um, uh, 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 this ensemble, a wonderful, brilliant ensemble in Seoul. They're uh, called Black String. Uh, they're a, a group with um, uh There's the bass uh, Gaigum. I've the name escapes me right now. Are those uh, the
0: things that look kind of like a Japanese koto?
1: Yeah, they're, they're they're sort of the equivalent of the Korean koto and bass koto, and uh, which is basically a kind of you know harp, zither of sorts but with a, you know when you bend the strings and they, they're really really um, uh, very very soulful they, they, you really hear you really feel a connection to the blues and the way they inflect tones and also their rhythmic language is you know in a compound duple almost like a 12 eight kind of feel but they have kind of this flexible pulse which uh, it's very engaging. And so uh, so we did this concert with black string and then in san diego was an ensemble with um uh stephanie richards on trumpet uh was a professor here a great trumpet player nicole mitchell michael Desson and myself and then in uh new york was a group led by sarah weaver with jane ira bloom um uh let's see who else there was dave taylor um uh uh, yoon Sung on voice and uh, and Satoshi takeshi on drums so we had like this incredible you know group of improvisers and so you know I wrote this piece and then uh, it, it went well but it felt like I, I enjoyed the melody that had come the, I, the bones of the tune I thought were strong enough to bring to this to the septet record so I arranged it over the summer for the septet
0: I know you you remarked about the the high speed you know kind of university level internet that you have, but when you play yeah. those telematic shows, do you have to deal with ev- a little bit of lag, or you know just that it seems like a really I don't know I can't really imagine what it would be like to play with other people who aren't who aren't there.
1: So I'm just interested in the more well, the
0: physical I mean, experience.
1: you know, it's you know if you do a count, there is latency, there is slight lag. But if there's, and there's you know, if you play in a reverberant room, at, you know, like in a church, and you're not really close to one another, there's a lag as well. If you play in an orchestra, when the, or- the conductor gives a downbeat, there's a lag from when the sound happens. So in a way, it's kind of a, a musical acoustical issue, so you compose for it. And we've all figured out musical strategies to diminish the inherent lag, for example. And then, and then sometimes when they're with musicians, you have long histories and chemistries with somehow that's transcended just by your ability to hear and feel one another. And I can't explain what that is. I, technically, I can't explain it. But I've experienced it multiple times doing concerts with Jerry Hemingway where we're 6,000 miles away and we can connect on a level that transcends the, the latency. Uh, you know, I, I, and also with people like Jane Iyer Bloom, we've just, you know, also the latency, the, the network is not a static thing, it ebbs and flows like, like water. So you kind of adjust to it. It's kind of, and we kind of think about it, and I I use it as kind of a telematic swing.
0: (laughs) That's a great phrase. Yeah. That better show up somewhere.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Mark, are there chances coming up for people to see either this ensemble or other projects you have going uh, live?
1: Uh, Yes. On June 12th, I'm playing with Trio M, which is a collective trio with Myra Melford and Matt Wilson as part of Myra's residency at The Stone, which is uh, located at the New School in New York City. And then a few days later, I'm... uh, I'm in residence at the uh, summer, uh, you know, summer institute for contemporary music performance. Uh, the acronyms is called Sick Puppy, <laughs> <And> that's <laughs> that's in Boston. How it's at, uh, you know, it's housed at New England Conservatory, and I and I'm playing uh, solo shows. I forget the actual date. It might be the 15th. I'm also playing. The sixteenth, and I I don't. You have to go to the website. uh, Just put uh, Boston Sick Puppy S C I P P, and you'll find something. Uh, And I'm leading a group of improvisers, so I'm doing a piece written for me uh, uh, by Lei Liang, a chamber concerto uh, with that that he he wrote for me. And I think that's on the eighteenth, and that on the seventeenth. And then I'm also playing. Uh, a solo show the next night, and I believe that those concerts are at Jordan Hall, uh, which you know I, I it's a room that has uh, famous acoustics. So I really look forward to that. And then uh, I think the 19th, I do one. I lead a group of improvisers in some sort of afternoon garden concert. And then after that, I fly to uh, to Europe, and I'm doing these concerts. Uh, with a group led by uh, a Portuguese um, uh, percussionist composer named Pedro Melo Alves. And we're playing at the Sud Tirol Festival on July 5th. And then we're doing a series of concerts in, in uh, Porto and in Lisbon and, uh, you know, and, and a Queenbra there. There's a score of concerts, so I would look under Pedro Melo Alves and uh, and look at the specifics. I don't have them in my calendar, and that that's the that'll be the main focus of the next couple months. And then I come home and I'll be in composing mode and working on the next batch of music.
0: And I will just say that uh, many of the people that Mark has mentioned throughout this interview, including all the M-name people like Marty Ehrlich and Matt Wilson and uh, Myra Melford, have all been on this show. You can find all of their interviews in the archives and include also many other people that uh, Mark has played with, Jane Eyre Bloom and Tim Byrne and many other folks, Henry Fregill. My guest for this episode has been Mark Dresser. His uh, brand new Septet album is called Ain't Nothing But a Cyber Coup and You. It's uh, it's really fabulous. It will reward repeated listening. And uh, Mark, what a, what a pleasure it's been for me to talk to you. Thank you so much for taking the time to do it.
1: Thank you, Jason. The pleasure's been mine.
0: And that's the show. Thanks to Mark Dresser for being my guest. Thanks to the Respect Sextet for the theme music to this show. You can find them online at respectsextet.com. Thanks to Dave Rabel for the show's logo. The show is on social media, facebook.com slash thejazzsession. Also, Twitter at jazzsesh and Instagram at thejazzsession. I started a new thing this week where every day, every weekday at 1pm, I'm posting a 45 second clip from the show's archives, starting with episode number one and going all the way through. I'm doing that on Twitter and Instagram, so Twitter at jazzsesh J-A-Z-Z-S-E-S-H, and Instagram at TheJazzSession. Follow me on either of those places or both if you like, and you will find these daily clips that I'm posting. You can also follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram, at Jason D. Crane. Please do rate and review the show in iTunes. I always say that, but I don't really focus on it too much. But honestly, I think because I don't focus on it, it's been years since anybody rated, well, maybe not rated, but reviewed the show. And it would be lovely if you would do both those things. Just give it the old five stars and write a review about how great it is. Uh, (laughs) Because, very honestly, that seems self-serving and it is but in this way if you do that it helps the show move up the rankings and it's more likely other people will find it if they search for certain keywords uh, and that really is a a useful thing for me so rate and review in uh, apple podcasts or wherever you get the show don't forget to become a member for 5 bucks a month at the slash join You can also join the newsletter if you click on the newsletter link at the I put out a new episode every Wednesday from September to June. Next week my guest will be guitarist Nick Millivoy. Come back next time for another conversation about jazz on the Jazz Session.
1: Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: Bye.